How would you like to touch and examine the actual pages that Ian Fleming typed when writing his James Bond novels and see where he made handwritten changes that altered the direction of some of the stories? Well, we did, and here's our story. Hi, this is Dan Silvestri. And Tom Pizzato. Of SpyMovieNavigator.com, the worldwide community of spy movie fans, spy movie podcasts, videos, discussions, and more. Come join us as we're cracking the code of spy movies. And now we'll continue with part two and the last part of our Ian Fleming manuscript trip to the Lilly Library at Indiana University. Since we're starting with Dr. No in our final part here, it reminds us that we've been to Duns River Falls in Jamaica, which is, of course, a feature in the Dr. No movie. The falls are beautiful, and you can climb the falls from seashore to the top. I think it's about 180 feet course with a guide and about a million other people i mean it's it's a tourist attraction for sure at this time but it's still a beautiful place if you're on a caribbean cruise there's a good chance it will stop there in ocho rios and duns river falls will most certainly be an excursion you can select do it it's fun we have an entire podcast on the movie dr no so look for that And now on to Dr. No, published in 1958. We're looking at that manuscript. Honey Rider, of course, is... Oh, Honey Rider. In the movies, the first Bond girl. But here, this is published in 1958. Obviously not his first manuscript. Honey Rider in the manuscript is not wearing a bikini. but just No, she does not. No. Just a wide leather belt and the hunting knife in a sheath. Anyone could read this in the published book, of course, but looking at the manuscript and how Ian Fleming describes her is quite nice. First, he types that she emerges naked, but then in a handwritten note, in ink, he writes, she was not quite naked. She was wearing a broad leather belt round her waist with a hunting knife in a leather sheath at her right hip. Yikes. Fleming used a lot of detailed descriptions to make things spicy and hot. The last line in his handwritten correction is, the belt made her nakedness extraordinarily erotic. How cool is that? That's a great line. How cool is that? Of course, in the movie, she was wearing a bikini and the knife was actually on her left hip, but uh, probably couldn't get away with her walking out of the water with just the belt and knife. Yeah, probably not back then. Yeah. All right, so now I I wanted to kind of go again back to something I talked briefly about in Diamonds Are Forever, our discussion there, is is the way that Fleming wrote about race. Yes. And he didn't always do it in a flattering way. No. And so they tended to get changed. And in Dr. No, there's there's a biggie here. Yeah, so, he, so in, 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 in Dr. No, I mean, this, this is a tough... This is a touchy, in the manuscript this again. Is a, yeah, this is a touchy subject, So, but I'm going to talk about it anyways. So in, in, the, in, the, in the manuscript, it describes the Queen's Club... And then in quote, which for 50 years has boasted no Jews, no Negroes, no dogs. Now this was changed or unquote. So then this was changed to wit quote, which for 50 years has boasted the power and frequency of its black balls. So they softened it a little bit, I guess unquote. So they softened it a little bit and took out the specific Jews and Negroes and just said, the you know the the power and frequency of its black balls. Yeah, they just 
kind of suggesting that hey they're they're very selective as to who they let in the club but wow i'm glad he scratched that out and they softened it a little bit but well and in in the movie what do they do they just say they just have a sign out front that the three blind men walk by that says private members only, yes. but it doesn't even mention the race. No. And the only non-white people at the club appear to work there. Now, given that we're in Jamaica and many of the locals are going to be black, it would make sense that people working at the club would be black. Sure. So th- I don't think that really was a, sta- a racial statement. Now, there's a new book that came out in um, June of 2019 by the author Dave Holcomb, who call, which was called His World Never Dies, The Evolution of James Bond. And he discusses in one of the chapters how, or actually the book itself talks about um, how the movie series has evolved in its portrayal of masculinity, femininity, race, and humor over the course of its history. And he has a, he has a chapter in there called We Had Some Trouble at the Airport. And he tackles the issue of race, of Bond in the movies, not in the books, but in the movies in a very direct way. And remember, in the movies, it's a little more subtle, um, what, what's there in terms of the, the racial overtones. It's a good read, and it lays it out for, you know, fairly plainly. And again, it, it does focus on the, on the films itself. It, it's a good book. It's interesting. He, he takes a different twist on things, but he does talk a lot, a bit, a lot about this. You can, you can order the book on Amazon.com. That's where we bought it. Yep. Then we talked we talk to Dave after. We told him, hey, we, we like your book. But here, here's a little secret. If, if, you want, if you're interested in this book, His World Never Dies, The Evolution of James Bond, email Dave at David at gmail.com h-o-l-c-o-m-b-m david at gmail.com and tell him that we sent you by movie navigator sent you and you when he sends you the book it'll be autographed so that's kind of cool that's a nice little touch yeah he told us that hey if you're going to talk about my book ever tell him that and uh, you can get an autographed copy which is is neat so there you go and again he he hits this topic and uh, i actually like the way he describes it because he's not he's he's talking about the different races and how they get integrated at the film level yeah it's a good book we enjoyed to read all right to wrap up dr no we're going to look at how ian fleming wrapped it up and he actually changes the last line of the book and i actually love reading that because he did it a couple points and we would talk about it going through this, this 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 podcast but the last line was to be was handwritten by Fleming to say, do what I tell you. And in the final version of the book, they actually changed it to do as you're told. Again, yeah. why does he make that change? It's, it's not, yeah, it, it's, the situation is, you know, he's there at the end of the, the book and she, she Honey Rider, is right. in control here. Right. She's got this sleeping well, bag or and, something she yeah. just bought, right? And so it's a little different than the movie. Yep. So he's writing her as a very strong character. So she's telling him, hey, she's, she's undressed. She tells him she took his shirt off already, and she's telling him, take the rest off. And I got this sleeping bag. And by the way, it's a it's for two. It's a double bag. So take those off and get in here. Uh, you owe me slave time or something like that, she says. Yep. And then she says what you just said, yeah. the line. Which is, do, what, do as you're told is what's in the final version of the yeah. book. And in Fleming actually hand wrote before that, do what I tell you. Yeah. And then Bond says, but, and then she says, the, do, it, do as you're told. Do as you're told. I mean, who's in control yeah, there? A- absolutely. Not that Bond's going to resist, but, yeah, boom. 
But I, I love when it's the last line that changes because when you're an author and you're writing something and you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I end this thing? Yeah, that's got to be the most difficult thing is when is this over? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, do as you're told and yeah. we're done. It's great. And you see it right there in the manuscript. It's cool. Now let's move up to 1959 and talk about the book, The Richest Man in the World. Yeah, that's a great... What? Wait a minute, what? Wait. The Richest Man in the World, of course. Who's that? It's Goldfinger. Ah! But it, the book was originally going to be titled The Richest Man in the World. In the manuscript, Goldfinger is typed out yep. with X's. And then crossed out and above is handwritten The Richest Man in the World. And then it's scribbled out with pen. And beneath that is written in pen, Goldfinger. <laughs> I love that. It's like, well, first it was Goldfinger, then it was the richest man in the world. We could have been it... doing... Da, da, da. <laughs> Wait, the richest man in the world. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't quite have the zing as Goldfinger, does it? No. So, it, again, fascinating to know what Ian Fleming was thinking here when he was saying the richest man in the world, but Goldfinger is a little more impactful, right? So we could have been referring to the seventh novel as the richest man in the world. There's another edit. Yeah, okay, there's another edit. We've talked about name changes, and so there's one here in, in the book. Jill Masterton was originally called Tilly Masterton. Now, notice Tom saying Masterton. Right, so in the book, it was Masterton. In the manuscript, it's Masterton. And in the movie, it's Masterson. Right. Now, Tilly was scratched out and renamed Jill. So, another name change that had to go through, and you had to change it in multiple places. Yeah, and her sister became Tilly. And Yeah, and the sister became Tilly. Yeah. So that's cool. His car in the book, Goldfinger, is an Aston Martin DB3. But in the manuscript here, it was a DB7 until it was crossed out and became a DB3. So it's still what version of the car made so much difference to him. And then, you know, when we get to the movie, we of course know it's a DB5. A DB5 in the movie, yeah. But here you got Aston Martin here. And the most famous I, car I in the world. This, I love the scratch outs and then how they become everything we know. Yeah, it's from that little scratch yeah, out. Like that Miss Money Penny thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's cool. Very cool. All right, next we're going to look at For Your Eyes Only. It was published in 1960. This is a collection of short stories, and it's in this we're, we're gonna we're gonna recognize some of the titles from a view to a kill is in this short story collection nothing to do with the movie view to a kill in the movie so it's kind of it's kind of like there's one line in there which is very close to the line in golden eye when natalia simonova says to bond you are just like boys with toys there's a line in there that says you're just like a lot of children playing at red indian so there's no question they got a lot the, the Ian production people who are doing the movies got a lot from these short stories and they move pieces around a lot, which they did brilliantly, I thought. Right, absolutely. They're not going to make a whole movie generally out of the little stuff that's in the short stories. Some of these things were like 10 pages or something. Right. So, so anyway, From a View to a Kill is part of this collection. Death Leaves an Echo, which we read a little bit of it there. I just love the title. I think they should make a movie called Death Leaves an Echo. I just... Uh, yeah, that would great. that would be a good a good title for a future Bond. Yeah. Quantum of Solace is in this short story collection, too. And it's really not 
a Bond story, but he's in it. It's more of a story within a story that someone narrates to Bond, really. But I just thought the last line in in it was uh, about Bond was, for some reason, his life suddenly seemed hollow and lonely. There's still elements with Fleming writing about Bond that he's not always a superhero guy. He's a human being, and he has human feelings and stuff like that. So that was kind of cool. And Rosico is also part of this. Now, from Rosico, of course, we know they made a movie, Quantum of Solace. Again, it has nothing to do with with this uh, little short story. Rosico, though, is where we get the characters Columbo and Cristatos in For Your Eyes Only. They come from this little short story, Rosico. And that's kind of cool when you're looking at this kind of stuff. And Fleming had been to these islands, the Seychelles, in 1958, so he incorporated a lot of what he knew from that little trip into this but it's 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 neat and then the last part of this was the hildenbrand rarity well actually before you move to that on quantum de solace you mentioned the last line he actually made a change to that right in the manuscript there so it used to say the last line about bond says for some reason his life suddenly seemed hollow and lonely but the word suddenly was handwritten and replaced the word now and the word hollow was typed and replaced with the word empty. So he originally had, for some reason, his life now seemed empty and lonely. And he beefs that up, makes it more descriptive, with for some reason his life suddenly seemed hollow instead of empty. Yeah. Right? And hollow does have a more lonely kind of yeah. feel to it, like a hollow anything. And like suddenly that. instead of Nothing now. There. It adds more action to it. And it's that kind of stuff that, that you see in this that just intrigues me because it's like, wow, that, that's a great edit. So in the last short story in this collection, For Your Eyes Only, is the Hildenbrand Rarity. Now, in real life, the Hildenbrand Rarity is a fish. It's a rare fish, and it was caught by Professor Hildenbrand of Johannesburg University. He caught it in a net off Sh- Chagrin Island in the Seychelles. And... I think it was April 1925. So it's a unique member of the squirrel fish family. So it's a real it's a real thing. But in the, in the short story here, this is where Milton Crest is in the stories. I mean, Ian Productions lifted the character Crest out of this story and put it into License to Kill very very seamlessly. I thought it was it was a great. Yeah, it is really cool how they can do that. Yeah. And it's really kind of neat because in real life, again, Milton was a code name of a Greek sea captain who ferried British soldiers and agents through German patrols. And Crest was a tonic and ginger beer that Fleming drank when he was in the Seychelles. So (laughs) that's that's where Fleming got this stuff. But it's kind of neat. Anyway, that's the last piece of of this little short story part. And I thought that was pretty neat that the Hillenbrand rarity yeah, really is, is pretty, a fish, too. That is cool. And Milton Crest came right out of here. <laughs> so now we move to 1962 with The Spy Who Loved Me. Now, this actually is a book that was written, and it's, it's credited as Ian Fleming with Vivienne Michelle. It was actually written from Vivienne's perspective. She's telling the story. And so she's the character name of this person who tells a story. And on page nine, she, she says, my name is Vivian Michelle, 
And at the time, I and the name Vivian is actually spelled V-I-V-I-A-N and then crossed out and spelled V-I-V-I-E-N-N-E, giving it more of a French feel. Vivian. Yeah, Vivian. So it's 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 kind of interesting that even something like the person's name, how that 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 change can make make a difference. Now, in in this manuscript and in some of the manuscripts that we looked at, it looks like we got later versions of the manuscripts for some of these because there weren't very many edits. Right, most of the edits in this thing were minor grammar, some spelling, wordsmithing, and stuff, but no, nothing really major. This is another one where the last line changes. It originally said, I knew exactly who he was, and he was, this was a man. The ellipses were, there were some ellipses there, and there, there were words underneath that that we can't really re- read. So it says, I knew exactly who he was, and he was, and then we couldn't read it, and then it says, this was a man. Now it says, I knew exactly who he was, and what he was, and everything. Every smallest detail would be written on my heart forever. Kind of cool. Kind of cool. Changes the ending a bit there. And you get to see this kind of stuff when you're looking at something like these manuscripts. Yeah. And again, this has nothing to do with the movie. Ian Fleming did not he, he did not want this manuscript, this book, to be turned into a movie. He uh, let them use the title, but he didn't like the flow of the story or whatever to be into a movie. He just, I don't know, for some reason, he didn't, he didn't want that to happen. Well, it was a totally different kind of thing because it's it's... It was a story being told. Vivian was telling the story. Right. So it was a third person. Yeah. Kind it was a third. Yeah. So it was, it was a little bit different. Yeah. I mean, how do you make that into one of the what we think of as the as the Bond movies? Yeah. So again, this little thing has nothing to do with the Spy Who Loved Me movie, which is one of my favorite Bond movies. Anyway, it's cool. You gotta love it. All right, we're moving on to Our Majesty's Secret Service, published in 1963, and one of my favorite movies. Uh, that, mo- movies. that movie is just so good. Yeah. The story is just so the good. The story is a great story, and uh, everyone did a great job in there, George Lazenby and Diana Rigg and everyone. Great stuff. But here, in the manuscript, we're seeing some changes that we have all become now familiar with in the movies and in the book initially fleming scratches out the name m stamboni and hand writes in pen draco yeah (laughs) another name change that to us bond fans Uh, draco is so well known not stamboni yeah, I, th- I actually think Draco's a much better last name. Yeah, for 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 that character, it is. It was perfect, actually. And Fleming described his face his face as a delightful face, so lit with humor and mischief and magnetism. And who they selected for this, Gabriel Frazetti, was perfectly cast for this in the movie as Mark Ange Draco, one of my favorites. Yeah, what a great character. And then a little bit later in the manuscript. Draco is talking about his marriage and the result of his marriage is his daughter Teresina but wait Fleming scratches out Teresina and he pens in Teresa Teresa Teresa. and then a little further the next page actually we discover that Tracy's first husband an Italian that Draco did not like deserted her but Fleming scratches out Draco which was going to be her husband's name and puts in instead Count Giulio Vincenzo, 
So, <laughs> originally... Wow, wait a minute. Wait, wait, yeah. wait. You're going to have to back up on that. <laughs> I know. Right? We've got these names being used all over the place. Uh, originally, in, in the manuscript, Tracy's husband was going to be called Draco. But now he, he changed Stamboni to Draco to be her father in the few pages before. And so now he can't he can't call her husband Draco anymore. So he scratches out Draco there, and he makes her husband in the manuscript Giulio Vincenzo. But I hope all of you could follow that one. Yeah. Woo. So again, Fleming Fleming reversed the surnames of her Italian husband and her father, uh, as he did earlier in in the uh, in a few pages, like we said before. So when Bond meets Draco for the first time, he does indeed throw the knife at a calendar in the in the manuscript, saying September the sixteenth. And he sticks it in the calendar. Draco says, actually, it's the 15th, but quite respectable. So it's very close to what they did yep, in the absolutely. movie. And it's right here. Of course, they mentioned Blofeld in here. Pease Gloria is mentioned in here. Oh, I love Pease Gloria. The, the 10 gorgeous girls in Pease Gloria. All, all of that there. Even the Walter PPK is mentioned. And a little bit uh, later in the middle of this manuscript about Fleming scratches out Harper's for what Bond is drinking and writes in Jack Daniels bourbon. Bond pours himself a drink on the rocks and added water. Okay. Okay. Harper's is out. Jack Daniels is in. In the manuscript, he's married at the British Council on New Year's Day at 10.30 a.m. The head of Station M was the best man. After the ceremony at the council's home, Bond walks down the steps to, to the waiting Lancia with white ribbons tied from the corners and everything else, the windshield, just like we saw in the movie with the, the Aston. Yeah, convertible. It's not in Portugal, however. This this uh, in in the right, in the movie it was in Portugal. It, and they're driving here on the autobahn near Strasbourg and Kustein. And Tracy in in the written manuscript is driving, and Bond asks her to pull over. So not like the movie where Bond is driving right. and so on. But he's it's kind of cool. And the manager he's I got to do two things. One, he took her into his arms and he kissed her. In Penn Fleming writes above the typewritten lines, that's the first thing, and I just want to say that. Back to the typewritten stuff, I'll look after you, Tracy. Will you mind being looked after? And Tracy replies to him with a smile and concludes, let's just look after each other. Again, here Fleming's writing these characters as strong characters. Oh, what? Yeah, right? I mean, and what a great line for Tracy because she's not that damsel in distress type no, of a character. Not right? at all. She's in just kind of like Honey Rider at the end, right? She's got some control here, and she says, "No, you're not just going to take care of me. Let's look after each other." Yeah, I love that. It, it's perfect, and it's perfect for hey, they just got married. They're partners now. They're they're one. So in the manuscript here, Brian wants to get out of the car and take the ribbons and stuff off. He said, I, I can't stand looking like a coronation. Do you mind? So this part is very close to the movie. Uh, they took the roof down, they lowered the top, and Tracy says, yeah, let's. We can only see half the world with it up. And he hadn't hand wrote that. Yeah. So that's kind of cool where it's like, okay, that, that gives you an excuse for taking it down. And as they drive, Bond notices this speck of a red car miles behind them, and Tracy notices it coming up fast. And so, and he, do you want me to lose him? Nah, Bond says, let him go. We've got all the time in the world. Of course. You've got all, all the, the time, time in the world. In the world. Yeah, Tom and I promise not to sing anymore. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and Bond waves them past, and he hears a shattering roar, and the windshield disappeared. So, a little different in the manuscript here where they, they actually kind of crash and so on and he passes out it, it's it's different than than the book 
and in uh, in then the movie in the book it it implies it was really Blofeld right who shot him right and and not uh not blunt but uh, in the movie of course he, right. he's driving with right. the neck brace yeah. Kelly Savalas is Blofeld so it's a little bit different here but then he he does get the the policeman does show up and and everything just like the movie again and it's it's pretty cool so the the account and he oh, tells it's just the, a touching way to end it and he tells the police we've got all the time in the world and this is the iconic line of course from the movie and the louis armstrong song of the same title is haunting when heard from that point forward very neat to see the original manuscript of one of our all-time favorite Bond yeah, movies very very cool All right, so we'll look at the 1964 film, You Only Live Twice. Now, this is another one of those manuscripts where there weren't very many corrections. There are numerous pages, however, with different typefaces and paper sizes. So I'm presuming that this means that pages were replaced, so we can't see the original. We're just seeing these new typewritten pages. So it's a little harder to do what we've been talking about with some of these changes. Some minor things like the credit for the poem at the beginning was changed from... Japanese itinerant poet to just Japanese poet. R.M. Hughes was changed to Richard Hughes. In chapter 7, he lists these poison categories. He's like, here's the poison and a description of it. And he's apparently replacing what was originally on pages 50 and 51, which aren't in the manuscript. So in the actual manuscript that you're looking at, those pages are missing. So it looks like he just replaced it with the, these list of the poisons that he's got. And that's really about it in terms of the changes in this, in this manuscript. So 11 manuscripts later, we feel like we know Bond and Ian Fleming much better. We've gotten a peek into Fleming's mind as he developed these stories. This was a fabulous outing. Yeah, it was a good time. (laughs) To see the original manuscripts of Ian Fleming's James Bond novels. What a unique experience and opportunity. We really love seeing the handwritten entries Fleming made. That was really cool. We would love to go back and study the manuscripts even more. Just as a reminder, you need to make a reservation to use the reading room, so don't just show up. And and it's under reconstruction it's under right reconstruction now until probably 2020. 2021 or two. Yeah. Tw- so yeah. probably early spring of 22. Yeah, I would think so, because they told me it was about two years. Now, one final thought on this. Indiana University is a very large university in the U.S., if you're not familiar with it. The campus is still great. The Lilly Library was f- absolutely wonderful. And Mother Bear's Pizza... It's still fantastic. <laughs> it was good. It's one of those where you're sitting there going like, boy, I'm going to try this after 30 years. Is it going to still be as good? And it really was. Yeah, it was good. I have to admit, and I, you know, I'm Italian. I love pizza. Ah, This wraps up our trip to the Lilly Library at Indiana University and our terrific tour of the Bond manuscripts. Subscribe to our podcast on spy movies as we look at connections between these films and other spy movie films and their connections to the real world as we continue cracking the code of spy movies this podcast was focused on bond and the ian fleming manuscripts we have podcasts focused on mission impossible connections between bond and sherlock holmes classic spy movies like the 39 steps filming location trips we've taken and a whole lot more we're constantly looking for these connections as we are constantly cracking the code of spy movies Thanks for listening. This is Tom Pizzotto. And Dan Silvestri. From SpyMovieNavigator.com. 
the worldwide community of spy movie fans. Spy movie podcasts, videos, discussions, and more. If you like our podcast, please give us a five-star rating on iTunes and in Google Play. That helps us a lot. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and on Instagram, too. And when you have feedback, an idea for a podcast, or just something you want to say, click the red button on our website that says send us a voicemail, and we may include it in our show.